Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. This is a special quick hit episode of Pro Football Network's premier fantasy football podcast. I'm your host, BJ Rudell. Uh, I was doing some research this morning, Tuesday, April 5th, and um, came across something I've seen a lot uh, in doing research. I I study uh, average draft positions and performance levels based on average draft positions, based on player, based on uh, weeks, uh, uh, getting into potentially age and other issues, really trying to examine uh, predictive analytics around the fantasy draft. Because and I think some of you agree with me on this. The fantasy draft is kind of the pre-Super Bowl of the fantasy season. It is the big event. Uh, it is the event where we know coming out of that fantasy draft, if we think we did well or we think we didn't. <laughs> and if our attitude is, eh, then we probably don't feel like we did we did well. But if we crushed it, we usually know. And then it's up to the season and and our management style and skills to dictate whether or not we make good on the draft. Is the draft a launching a launching point for uh, building a powerhouse roster and lineup that cannot be stopped in the playoffs? And one of the things I, I continually come across in my research are uh, these hedge opportunities uh, on draft day. These hedge opportunities usually involving teammates, um, oftentimes ranked right next to each other making it very difficult to know which guy to choose. And today I was looking, for example, at uh, Robert Griffin III. Um, You remember him. Uh, Washington traded uh, uh, some of their future to get Robert Griffin III, and he made good until uh, injuries took their toll. Uh, And uh, Kirk Cousins, who was the backup, uh, uh, going to be a backup for four to five years on that Washington team, um, he was, I think, their fourth round pick that year where Griffin was taken uh, one of the top picks overall. And uh, and Cousins ascended to the starter and the rest is history. Cousins is a uh, hundred millionaire or whatever. And uh, love him or hate him, uh, he has uh, certainly had a better career than just about anyone could have expected when he was drafted to be um, a permanent backup for four to five years to what was supposed to be a generational talent and a franchise-elevating quarterback in Robert Griffin III. Well, back in 2015, when their careers started to converge and then eventually diverge, Robert Griffin III's uh, preseason QB ADP average draft position was 28. Kirk Cousins was 29. Uh, Griffin, as it turned out, did not uh, play that season. Uh, he got hurt, and uh, and Cousins took over, and Griffin uh, became uh, the number three quarterback essentially on that team between, behind Cousins and Colt McCoy. And meanwhile, Cousins uh, was, I think, the eighth best fantasy quarterback that year. So if you were in a two-quarterback league back then, and you were trying to figure out, do you draft RG3 or do you draft Cousins? 
I think the upside play at that point would have been RG3. We knew how good he could be. Um, with Cousins, you just didn't know. You didn't know if he was going to get benched after week three. And it turned out Cousins was a difference maker. And some of you out there listening, and maybe more of you not listening, because there's many more of you not listening, if you drafted Cousins in a 2QB league that year, you that was probably one of the best picks you made that year and maybe even uh, the year before and after. Um, to get a top 10 quarterback in a 2QB league um, with uh, a late pick, almost a throwaway pick, where you're just rolling the dice that Cousins somehow gets some starts, um, that's pretty dramatic. Uh, last year, uh, very similar, and, and I've brought this up on this podcast, uh, Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. Um, uh, mega decision, uh, as it turned out. Uh, this was a, a decision that would decide whether some of you got to the title game and some of you didn't. Um, it is very unusual that that happens, but when it does, we have to take notice. Leonard Fournette, preseason RB32 consensus, average draft position. Ronald Jones, preseason RB33. They were right next to each other. If you picked at the turn, uh, and I talked about this on yesterday's podcast with uh, Jason Katz, better known as Katz, then you could do a Fournette Jones pick. Uh, maybe in the sixth, seventh round, depending on how competitive and how big a, a league you're in, um, that could have worked. And by the way, right after those two, James Conner at RB35, uh, Sonny Michelle at RB38, AJ Dillon at RB37, Devin Singletary at RB40. There were a lot of guys back there, but we're talking about teammates. And that decision that, that decision that we have to make of, do we go with Fournette or do we go with Jones? And this is why it's so important because last summer, there was no consensus of who would be the lead back. And it makes things very difficult for us. And yet, if we pick right, we win big. Even Devin Singletary looked like a bust for a while because Zach Moss was a lead back. Zach Moss with an RB36 ADP. Singletary with an RB40. If you hedged and took both, then you got an RB1 down the stretch in Singletary. Um, if you hedged and took Fournette and Jones, you got an RB1 and an elite one at that for much of the season. Going back to even uh, another Jones, Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams. This is uh, an example I've given once before, uh, but I'll share it again. Aaron Jones was not always the Aaron Jones we've come to know and love. Um, Aaron Jones at one time, uh, I think it was 2018, uh, was a, a questionable fantasy asset. And I remember uh, Jamal Williams was ranked ahead of him. And uh, I picked at the turn and it was the, uh, I think it was like the eighth, ninth round turn. And uh, I picked Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones. And people were afraid to take one because of the risk that the other could end up being the starter. And when you pick at the turn, you have the luxury of deciding whether to take both running backs in a potential split backfield where the understanding is it's not going to be split for 17 games. That at some point, somebody's going to rise to the top. It's why a couple of years ago, I picked DeAndre Swift in the fifth or sixth round, which was too early. Uh, but he was going up against, I think it was Karyon Johnson and uh, Adrian Peterson. And Swift was the number three on the depth chart, but he was the rookie and the most talented. And uh, I could have hedged and tried to take, you know, Karen Johnson and then uh, maybe Swift around later. 
but I just felt like, well, you know, Swift is going to get his starts at some point. This team's going nowhere. Um, and so by some point in the second half of the season, Swift is going to take over. So I'll wrap it up to say these decisions come up frequently. Um, it is becoming increasingly difficult, for example, to pick the number one running back in a backfield because a lot more backfields these days are, are uh, muddy, to say the least. There are fewer and fewer true bell cows uh, compared to, let's say, 10, 20 years ago. Uh, sometimes a quarterback, we face the same dilemma. The stakes aren't usually as high because uh, the great quarterbacks are great and they're not going to lose their job. So you're talking about, uh, you know, the back end guys um, who sometimes can rise up and be the front end. Uh, if Alex Smith uh, hadn't uh, parted ways or if the Chiefs hadn't parted ways with Alex Smith when Patrick Mahomes came on the scene, um, you know, it took a year or whatever. But uh uh, if Alex Smith had stuck around and we went into that, uh, whatever it was, 2017, 2018 season, not knowing whether Alex Smith was going to be the starter all season or if Mahomes was going to get his chance, that would have been an example of uh, of not knowing which guy to take a leap on, but knowing that whoever was starting was going to give you good points. Um so think about that as you go into the draft. Some of you are drafting in Dynasty soon. Some of you right after the NFL draft. Some of you not drafting until the summer. Um, but there are going to be a lot of these players. There might be four pairs. There might be seven pairs. There might be 12 pairs of players who are going near each other in fantasy drafts. They will be teammates, and there will be a good chance that one of them is significantly undervalued because the market cannot decide which one is going to rise above and because market cannot decide that there's a hedge that takes place in the market where people are um, drafting these guys as if they're roughly equal because there's no clear advantage and what i want to make sure your takeaway is for this podcast is there's often an advantage and if we believe in upside and i hope you do um, you seize on the strong possibility that one of those two guys is significantly undervalued and you roll the dice or if you pick at the turn or near the turn you pick both and you stash them and you wait again i'm bj rudell pro football network you can find us at profootballnetwork.com look forward to seeing you tomorrow